Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I want to welcome to the program, back to the program, Brad Slager. He is a columnist over at townhall.com. Hey, Brad, how are you? How's it been, Pete? Been uh, a while. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, well, I mean, sometimes pretty bad. But no, it's uh, it's okay. Um, so first off, I, I full disclosure, I have not read through the entire 305 pages. I've read some of it. I've not read the entire 305 pages of the Durham report. Um, and... I think there's stuff in there that it confirms what we had long suspected. Um, there's some troubling items in there. This, this sort of uh, hand waving away of like the, uh, you know, the quote missteps that were made and the omissions and how every single mistake seemed to break in one direction, not the other. But, but what really comes through to me in, in the reporting on it in the aftermath and watching how legacy media outlets are covering it is that, uh, this story doesn't get the traction were the media not willing accomplices. And I don't see any kind of introspection occurring among anybody in the quote unquote mainstream media since the the report was published. What do you see? Uh, No, I think that's actually dead on accurate. If you look at the reaction from all the big news outlets, if there even was a reaction, it's very muted. It's very, very much downplaying it. Oh, there was nothing new revealed, said the New York Times. Well, yeah, because you were in on it from the start, so none of this is new to you. <laughs> That's, the press doesn't want to address any of this because they were involved pretty much from Jump Street. I mean, when they were establishing the Steele dossier, they could only do so with the help of mainstream media because the FBI recognized that document as deeply flawed. The sourcing was very poor, if at all valid. And in order to get their FISA warrant, they needed corroboration. So what they did is leak this to the media. Michael Isikoff and David Korn were given copies of this. They ran reports in their outlets over at Yahoo and Mother Jones. Then the FBI used their reports. Hey, look at this. The press is also reporting on it. They're confirming it. Yeah, they confirmed the Steele dossier with the Steele dossier. And this launched the entire Russian collusion narrative. Well, it's, it's, it's much like uh, these stories that come out every so often, and they were uh, pretty often in the, the Trump administration, where there would be you know some anonymously sourced report and then immediately after the story is published, some you know bombshell report, and then all of a sudden other media outlets then get sources to confirm that story. And they're anonymous as well. And I always wonder, like, who is confirming the anonymous stories? How do these other outlets race to confirm something that was anonymously sourced in the first place? Are you talking to the same source? Because that would be a problem, right? And, and we never have any sightline on that. Yeah, that, that's part of it. Um, what, what, what came to light, actually, Ben Smith recently, he formerly of BuzzFeed, he wrote about their experience in releasing the Steele dossier. And he was detailing how Fusion GPS, that's where the dossier originated from with 
Clinton campaign money. They built the dossier. They were shopping it around for months to the press ahead of its release. Now, Jake Tapper basically broke it in January of 2017. And then immediately after, BuzzFeed is like, well, that's it. We're running the whole thing. And everybody behind the scenes had seen this, but they didn't have either full collaboration or they were just waiting for somebody to you know, break the dam. And then once BuzzFeed did it, everybody stampeded behind it. Yeah, and our sources confirm, you know, and everybody then has their own supposed contact. It's it's a very it's a very corrupt process. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the collusion that was actually proven from the Durham report. Upper levels of government were working with the media complex against the Trump campaign. Right. And then no. the presidency. Right. And uh, another example, Jim Comey, I, I went over this in the last hour, but uh, laundered the story like, go, I'm going to go in and give the defensive briefing to Trump. I'm going to let you know there's this P tape that's out there. Oh, it's really crazy. I don't know what to make of it. And then immediately the story leaks, not the details of what what he briefed him on. Right. But the fact that he briefed him on a salacious uh, dossier and that then gives the media the hook to proceed. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's always that little entryway as soon as somebody cracks the door open with you know one piece then everybody can stampede through with their own follow-up and then all of a sudden even though everybody is reporting on the exact same story it's that volume of reporting that makes everything seem valid Mm -hmm. oh the times has it the post has it and now it's on msnbc and cnn it must be real even though again it's just like the steel dossier they're all referencing the one same leak but that volume of reporting makes it look like it's much more significant. The New York Times, you mentioned the Washington Post, they shared a Pulitzer Prize for their series of pieces, you write, in 2017, covering the Russian collusion story. So do you think that they should return it? Do you think the Pulitzer Prize people should rescind it? What do you think? Uh, Do I think that? Yes. Will it happen? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Just never... No. Uh, in fact, I think it was about a year ago, the Pulitzer Committee went back and reviewed that very award. You know, I think it was something like 20 or two dozen reports between the two outlets were compiled together to give that one award out for public service. And the, the committee came back and was like, well, no, we, uh, we think it's valid still. Mm. And, you know, they're not, you're not going to see the news outlets admit they were wrong. You're not going to see... The Pulitzer Committee say, well, no, now it's been proven incorrect. It's just part of the corruption within the entire industry. And it's what they fail to see, though, is this is feeding into the public perception that they're facing. I mean, poll after poll has come out in just the last six months showing the public distrust the media. They think they're biased, to said another poll. There was one that asked trying to target what was the most divisive element in this country. And they're you know looking for Donald Trump to get blamed or something. The media came out on top. Like two-thirds of the people said the media are what's making this country divisive. Mm. And the, the news outlets won't take any of this to heart and try to fix their problem. All right. But, yeah, and I'll tell you, that's why I, like, I, I don't think they should return it. And I would prefer the Pulitzer people keep it as well because – I want it all stained. Like I want, you know, I like I want the Pulitzer and these outlets to be permanently stained for their behavior. 
Yeah, it's it, it's a testament to what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right there. As far as, I, I was thinking, more from an ethics standpoint. Oh, come on now, Brad! Just uh, <laughs> so Pollyannish. Come on, man. Uh, no, 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 that was me and my pragmatism <laughs> coming through. All right. Uh, all right. So you you also so in your piece, by the way, at townhall.com, dot uh, com, it is called "How the Durham Probe Actually Proved Collusion." Um, you write also you go through the different phases um, uh, of the sort of this uh, how the collusion narrative came at, came at us in waves. Uh, phase seven, uh, I call it the laptop. Right, the marriage of the intel community and the press has now been proven consummated, um, and and this. This also feeds into you know this this not just distrust of media but but the institutions as well. It feeds the uh, the election denialism and I I think it fed uh, the January sixth riots. I think it's all connected. No, it absolutely is because you you have to just look at the overall behavior of the media complex over the last few years. And when it comes to the Hunter laptop, it was so glaring that. When the New York Post broke it, this was a valid story. The, the laptop existed, and yet you had news outlets saying, well, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't had our hands on it ourselves. We have no definitive proof. And yet when this intel letter with 51 officials from the CIA and others said, oh, no, this feels like Russian collusion, the press ran with that full bore, mm-hmm. even though there was no evidence whatsoever behind it. And yet, you have an actual laptop, and you're not even curious about it. And that tells you everything. But the real reveal of that came from Jeff Zuckerberg. He admitted that the FBI came to him, as well as Twitter and others, in the summer of 2020, warning them that this laptop was coming out, this story. And it looks like it's, it's Russian intel, so be careful with it. All the while, the FBI had that laptop since six months earlier. Yeah, they sowed the seeds for the story. Yeah, they gave him a heads up. They knew exactly what was going to come because they had the laptop already in their possession. And they were already getting, uh, you know, chatter inside the ranks like, hey, what's going on with this? Why aren't you doing anything? And they knew Giuliani was going to leak it because they were they were listening on Giuliani. So like, they knew it was coming. Uh, it's just it's amazing. And and I, I'm sure you saw it following media as you do Greg Gutfeld's uh, rant the other day. Um, and I think he's entirely accurate. You know, how how do you blame people for now questioning the outcome of an election when this clearly, this conspiracy clearly existed? No, it's it's completely valid. I mean, just look at the laptop story. You have the FBI fabricating the storyline. You have social media up complying with them. Then you have the general media following suit and reporting to the FBI's wishes. And then they were actually given the intel letter to use as proof. All of it is just showing how the two entities are together on the same page. Yeah, and agencies and the media working in concert to kill a story. And to benefit the Democratic Party, Joe Biden specifically, two days, whatever, before the debate, so he could have that at the ready, cite the letter in order to combat the charge uh, from Donald Trump about the laptop. Yeah, it's... uh, yeah, it's pretty clear for everybody who's paying attention. Brad Slager, he's paying attention. You can read his work at townhall.com, how the Durham probe actually proved collusion. Thanks for your time, Brad. Good to talk with you. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, 
radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Thanks again to Brad Slager from townhall.com. Good to talk with him. Um, and uh, we'll get to some emails and massages. Uh, so, messages. not mas- Okay. Richard says, Pete, happily, I recently found you. I listened to you for years, but lost you when you left Asheville. I quit WBT a long time ago, but tuned in to give it another go. And boom, Pete. As for Russia collusion, I was always well. I'm glad you. I'm glad you have made your way back, Richard. You and I, we are both prodigal sons. We have returned, um, and anyone who steps to us will get burned. That's as it was foretold. Okay. As for Russian collusion, I was always baffled by this claim. It made no sense. Russia collusion means which candidate Putin preferred, and it was obvious he would prefer Hillary. She was a known. He knew that she could be bought, and that he could take. Uh, he could take her. He already had. Well, remember the button, Richard? Remember the big, fat, stupid, silly button? Remember that thing? The reset that she gave the Russians? We're going to reset. It's like the easy button from Office Depot or whatever. Office Max or Office Staples. Staples has the easy button. Anyway, could you imagine being Hillary's staffer, like the morning of, trying to find an easy button that and 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 get it changed to say reset. I know, I know. We're going to get an easy button, and it's going to be like a reset, like a little button, and we're going to have to... And then, of course, it said something wrong, like the Russian translation was wrong for reset. It meant, like, surrender or something. No, I'm kidding. It didn't mean surrender. It Maybe. I don't know. I don't speak Russian. Trump was an unknown. Trump was an unknown with a mega campaign slogan and a... Uh, a pat foreign policy statement that it was time to get back to rewarding our friends and punishing our enemies. Not exactly what Putin wants to hear. Look, and look, I don't know what Putin Put had in his heart of hearts. I don't know who he wanted to win. Um, I can I can see both of the you know both arguments on that. Here's where I come down on it. Um, he wants chaos. Putin just wants chaos. He wants division. He wants, you know, doubt and questioning each other's motives, right? That's all. That That's where he benefits the most. When we uh, suspect our fellow Americans, where we're not united, I think that's right. just to sow discord. Um, a valid argument is that Putin wanted Trump because he was a political rookie, but he was a successful international businessman. He didn't just fall off the turnip truck. Russia put some money into Facebook ads, yeah, like, Minimal amounts of money, like because one guy in like Wisconsin saw a Facebook ad and that's why Trump won. Right. Um, Like that's what the blue and on people think. They really do believe that that Putin swung the election with like fifty thousand dollars in in yeah targeted Facebook ads that hit Trump supporters. Anyway, um, this was minor money. Richard says you're exactly right. I suspect this was a pilot test. Social media campaigning was brand new with Obama. Remember and if it caused a bump in Hillary's coronation carpet, then that would be gravy. Tyrants like Putin have a great disdain for Hillary-type politicians. You run a good program. Glad I found you. Well, I'm glad you found me too, Richard. Welcome back, sir. This is from Jan 
Pete, I agree with your conclusion that Putin wants to sow chaos in the United States. What better way than to oppose Hillary Clinton? Her weak, egoed, and narrow-minded followers could not accept her loss and were desperate to find were desperate to find anything to blame it on. The violence and vitriol that followed Hillary's humiliating loss is a big Christmas present to Vladimir Putin, all wrapped up in a great big bloody red bow. There you go. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree with that. It it, it kills me too. How um, similar the reactions are. Like Donald Trump and his election denialism and the people who are like, you just need to admit it. Admit you lost. Admit you lost. Right? These are the same people that amplified the very same message when it came from Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams. Right? Because it's different when Democrats do it. It's the big D shield. All right. Here's a message from Jeff who says, Pete, this Durham report reminds me of every time a tech company gets busted for censoring Republicans. Oh, whoops, sorry, our bad, just a mistake, won't happen again. But it does happen again, it always happens the same way, right? Blatant and obvious malfeasance and no accountability or punishment ever. Um, let me get to this, I want to get to the, uh, the audio here from uh, Gutfeld. Greg Gutfeld. In the aftermath of the John Durham report sits the smoldering ruins of what little credibility the FBI still possessed, writes Bonchi at redstate.com. Top federal law enforcement officials took unverified intelligence fed to them by the Hillary Clinton campaign and turned that into a years-long unjustified witch hunt against Donald Trump. The Democrats have convinced themselves that democracy is in such danger that they should be allowed to violate the tenets of democracy in order to save it. As paradoxical as that sounds, that's exactly the logic that has permeated the left. Everything becomes defensible to defeat literally Hitler, right? I have said this, Banshi has said this, and this was the subject of what Greg Gutfeld uh, went on a rant about on Fox News the other night. You have people saying that the country will not survive Trump. Then your moral duty is to cheat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should cheat it. Like if somebody is telling everybody that this person is a modern day Hitler, it is your duty to do whatever is possible to stop him. In fact, if you actually play by the rules, you're a traitor. Right. So the they created a devil that was so big and so vast it made all actions permissible. And it made every institution, as, as the judge was saying, subject to suspicion, right? So you can bury stories, you can create hoaxes, you can fund smears. It could go anywhere because this person must be stopped. It's Hitler, an existential threat. And so what happens is now we're left and none of it's true. And so we had a half a decade hoax that infected and undermined every institution because we were made to believe this person is evil. And then people make fun of people who are skeptical about an election. Why shouldn't they be skeptical about an election when the DOJ and the FBI and the, and the mainstream media and the tech companies and the Chamber of Commerce are all in on the same thing? Uh, why shouldn't the election be called into question, right? Shouldn't a hero try to fix the election, right? Shouldn't a hero do that? If you're up against Hitler, that's where we ended up. And you can't go and condemn people for so-called conspiracy theories when you were going around telling everybody this guy was worse than Hitler. An ever-enlarging devil that has to be defeated 
will allow you to jump some guardrails every now and again, right? Think of it, think of it this way. This is what I thought of when I heard the Gutfeld, uh, when I watched the segment and reading this piece by Bonchi at Red State. The, the, the nuclear attack on Japan, right? We would never have done that. The United States would never have done such a thing but for, right, the threat posed, right? Otherwise, it's not justifiable. You can't justify. This is the whole argument on proportional use of force as well. Oh, you shouldn't go above and beyond. You know, you can't, you can't beat them up too bad if you're stronger as a country or person, right? So this proportional force argument. But you would not be this, uh, the, the, the nuking of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, right? You would, you would not be justified in doing that but for the threat that they pose. And so when you cast Donald Trump as literally Hitler— well, now you have all sorts of remedies available to you that you would not otherwise have. And as Gutfeld says, right, this is the, you know, wouldn't the hero rig an election? I mean, think about that. You're trying to stop Hitler, right? Would you rig an election to prevent Hitler from winning? If you could go back, I'm not going to ask you, do you kill the baby Hitler? I'm not going to ask that. But it's a kind of this, it's a, it's a twist on that question, right? It's it's the question of would you go back and rig that election to prevent Hitler from assuming power? Knowing what you know about Hitler and how it all played out. And, I mean, if there could be some reasonable assurance that, you know, you're not going to get caught rigging the election. And that if you do rig it, you end up with somebody that's not just like Hitler. Like maybe there was like, you know, like an even worse version of Hitler that was also running and Hitler was like a better version of one of the opponents. Or maybe there was somebody who was just a little bit better than Hitler, didn't want to kill everybody like he did, but like 90% of the body count. I don't know. But would you go back and rig the election to stop him from winning? And I think you would have people, probably of all political stripes, that could say, yeah, I would do that. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Does the ends justify the means, right? That's what we're asking. And I think there are a lot of people who say, yeah, they would. Okay, well then, if Hitler is Trump and Trump is Hitler, then why wouldn't you rig this one? I'm just asking questions. Can I get you? Let me get Jim on before the uh, traffic update. Here's Jim. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jim. I'm an old geezer. I can never remember a president actually calling out the tagline from the opposing party in the form of Biden repeatedly saying MAGA. Mm-hmm. MAGA. MAGA. I, MAGA. Of course, we know Biden, you know, he's a chump, 50-year-long chump from up there. But um, another thing that unsettles me a lot, Pete, is first of all, the IRS wanting... Um, 80-something thousand new agents, and they're arming up. And, um, and you know, what that is all about. And coupled with the history of the last five to eight years, vis-a-vis the FBI and the DOJ, mm-hmm. obviously we know who they've been working for. And, um, of course, the, the, the IRS is not the only federal agency that's arming up. And I don't mean just the FBI or CIA, obvious, you know, but there are other federal agencies that are arming up. 
and and it leaves me a little unnerved. Uh, and they know that the, the we got more guns per capita than any other place in the world, based on what I've read and heard. I got quite a few. And uh, no, you I don't. don't. No, you don't, Jim. They all. They, it was a boating accident. They're all <laughs> lost. Well, the ones I got that I know I bought that aren't aren't registered anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> They're not getting those for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I put all this in a pot and I stir it around, Pete, and I'm, I'm thinking, what is this, uh, this uh, you know, thing we call D.C. in the swamp? What, what are they all about? Well, to me, it's pretty obvious. They're going to stay in power one way or the other. Right. The, uh, quote, deep state, the swamp. Yeah, no, I get it. Look, uh, Jim, I appreciate the call. Um, this is This is what happens when... You have agencies and leadership that are caught conspiring. They're corrupt. And they're obviously working for the benefit of one of the political parties, probably both, at at any given time. And so why should we have confidence in them? This is a very real problem. Very real. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Let's finish up with some of the Russia collusion stuff. This is from Jonathan Turley at the New York Post. Essentially, they all did it and so nobody did it. That's the standard. They all did it, so nobody did. Isn't that convenient? A political campaign hatches a plot to create a false claim of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Making this even more implausible is that the CIA and FBI knew about the plot. As detailed in the Durham report, President Barack Obama and his national security team were briefed on how a trusted foreign source revealed a Clinton campaign plan to vilify Trump by tying him to Putin so as to divert attention from her own concerns relating to her use of a private email server. And then it happened. The Obama people were told this was going to happen, and then it did. Did they stop it? No. It was a plot that required everybody to take a hand in derailing a duly elected president and effectively shutting down his administration for three years of investigation and prosecution. What did, uh, what did Harry Reid say after he smeared Mitt Romney as a tax cheat? But well, worked, didn't it? He's not president. Invented by Clinton operatives, put into the Steele dossier, funded by the Clinton campaign, the funding hidden as a legal expense by then Clinton campaign lawyer, Mark Elias. They got, they got fined for that. New York Times reporter Ken Vogel said at the time that Elias denied involvement in the dossier. When Vogel tried to report the story, he said Elias, quote, pushed back vigorously, saying you or your sources are wrong. 
New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman declared, quote, folks involved in funding this lied about it and with sanctimony for a year. It was not just reporters who asked the Clinton campaign about its role in the Steele dossier. John Podesta, Clinton's campaign chairman, was questioned by Congress and denied categorically any contractual agreement with Fusion GPS. Sitting right next to him was Mark Elias, who said nothing to correct the misleading information given to Congress. The Durham report details how Mark Elias played an active role in tracking the media campaign to push the false allegations. Claims like the existence of a P-tape came from a Clinton operative named Chuck Dolan. There was no known basis in fact for that. Also, now the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Hillary Clinton personally pushed this theory about a secret communication line between Trump's campaign and the Kremlin through a Russian bank. This was the Alpha Bank story. Clinton campaign later admitted that it had indeed funded the dossier, but Clinton continued to claim that the election was stolen from her by the Russians. In that sense, Hillary is the OG election denier, right? And of course, this conspiracy could not have happened without the assistance of the FBI, which Durham found played an eager role due to a predisposition among key players against Donald Trump, right? That's why. They, they just didn't like Donald Trump. And so they let that personal bias get in the way. But just a misstep or so. The dossier was discredited early by American intelligence, which learned that it might itself be Russian disinformation. There never was support for the allegations, but the FBI launched and maintained a massive investigation anyway. By the way, we never know the price tag on that. You notice that? That's never included in any of the reporting. But in all the reporting on the Durham report, they, they, they always point out how much money has been spent, <laughs> but never on Crossfire Hurricane. The FBI was assisted in this effort by members of Congress, like Adam Schiff for brains, and uh, the media as well. They, they are the most essential player in the conspiracy, was media, which pumped up the dossier as gospel. On MSNBC, Rachel Maddow assured her viewers that no major thing from the dossier has been conclusively disproven. Not true. Can you see? So they all did it. So nobody did it. So we're all, it's, as I said earlier, it's uh, Brett Winterbalesque. It's the system failed. Nobody is specifically personally liable because everybody is, and therefore everybody walks. <laughs> <laughs>